0: Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com, Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. It's May 17th, for a little off-season talk of Notre Dame's roster, in addition to a little bit of a dive in May into Michigan, talk about the Wolverines, and of course questions for our readers and Twitters as I put out a call last night, and I said... No question was too bad uh, for me to consider it, so we'll, and, we'll see how good segment two actually shaped up to be today. I and got and some, they lived up to that. Yes, I got some not good ones. <laughs> um, so before we get into Michigan, you know, just some roster news. If you were on Irish Illustrated the last couple of days, you saw that uh, Auburn fullback Keenan Sweeney is doing a graduate transfer as a walk-on into Notre Dame. Um, I think normally this wouldn't be a, a very interesting story at all, but... His father, John Sweeney, played fullback at Notre Dame, uh, played in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia, the Herschel Walker game. And he's, his mother also graduated from Notre Dame. Both his grandfathers graduated from Notre Dame. Three uncles graduated from Notre Dame, two cousins. And then also in the freshman class this year will be his, one of his younger sisters and one of his cousins. So this is a, a big-time Notre Dame family. And uh, if you've been longing for not only a fullback... But an Irish fullback who is a legacy and has red hair, Keenan Sweeney will be your
1: guy. I thought the best part, best thing I saw on the message board this week was Pete. You have a massive typo in your story. You, got, you must have misspelled his position because yeah. they don't have fullbacks. When I was day. talking to
0: Keenan, I was like, "So you know, like, they don't have fullbacks on the <laughs> roster, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we talked about that. Who was the last fullback there? Was it like first He was like, "I think it might have been my dad." And I was like, nah, I <laughs> "No, I think they've had some since then." And he's
2: like, "What about Robert Hughes?" I'm like. I'll take that. That's an acceptable answer yeah. to me. Robert Hughes is the last Notre in fullback. Well, uh, you know, I mean, the happiest guy on the roster, I think probably now, is Brock Wright. Yeah. <laughs> because when they, they actually they did use a fullback last year. They used it at least early in the season. I don't know how much they used it as a whole. the entire season transpired. But Brock Wright, uh, presuming that Keenan Sweeney is a capable blocking back in the red zone, Um, Sweeney will handle those so Brock Wright gets to be a a full-time tight end again most likely
1: he'll be on special teams for sure too because they're Brian Polian As much as he likes some of the new guys coming up on special teams you need guys that will totally embrace being on all four special teams as a blocker in situations like that and if he can tackle then he gets to be on all four if he can just block he'll be on kickoff return you'll see him as one of the lead blockers, instead of using sure. every tight end, they always have to roll out right. there. Some guys are good at it at tight end, some guys don't just don't take to it that naturally. For um
0: yeah, just for clarification, he was on kickoff return at Auburn, was a backup in that role most of the year, but you know, he's kinda like a, a wedge player. So think of he's where you yeah, think of where you see Cole Komet, Brock Wright, Nick Wisher lined up now. You could put him out there. Did you know, he's not somebody who's gonna get any touches. Nor does he expect to earn a scholarship either, which I thought was kind of refreshing too, because I think a lot of times these walk-ons come in and think like, "Well, I'm going to earn it right away." And He's yeah. like, "No, you know, I've already, I've already climbed that mountain. I'm here for the Notre Dame experience and the
2: Notre Dame degree." For the older subscribers, John Sweeney played fullback for Notre Dame from '79 through '82, as you mentioned. Pete he was in the in the uh, the Sugar Bowl against uh, against Georgia. Never scored a rushing touchdown. He did carry 97 times. Part of the reason he didn't carry was because he was Guys like Vegas Ferguson and Jim Stone and Phil Carter were carrying the football, and there they were there weren't too many carries left over for John Sweeney. But it is a it's a great story. In addition to all those um, aunts and uncles and cousins, I hear there are three neighbors that also yeah. went to Notre Dame as well. <laughs> it's a lot uh, a lot happening there. Uh, so, spinning forward to Michigan,
0: uh, I was actually on a radio show this week talking about the Michigan game, which felt a little bit early, but also kind of exciting to to think ahead to September first, uh, prime time at Notre Dame Stadium, and. I'm curious, this is a question, this is the first question that was asked to me on this radio show, and it was basically, what do you think the perception of restarting the Michigan series is around Notre Dame, and I said it was sort of split, I thought that among the older fans, it was, screw them, it was 31-0, why would you play this game again, whereas I think the younger fans, and also reporters, were like, yeah, bring that game back on because it's a great, great game with a great atmosphere. That's how I feel. I've always felt. Just I grew up in the Michigan rivalry. Oh, more, absolutely,
1: more than, even more than USC because when I was growing up, from third grade till I graduated college, Norton didn't lose to USC, so I didn't look at them in the same way as I did Michigan, and yeah, those were great battles, close battles. I always felt like the college football season started whenever that game was, game one or two. That's when the season starts. Now it officially starts, yeah. but uh, it's, yeah. it's one I look forward to. I do get everybody's point because. Well, they put a nice bow on it in 2014 with with that route, obviously at home. That was one of the bigger parties in, in Notre Dame Stadium in a long time, and uh, so I get that point of it. But what do you do? Never play them again. It's it's a yeah. it's a fun rivalry for me. I remember
2: when the series I get quote resumed, uh, which I, I would have been 78, a 78. Yeah, I would have I been a late teen then, and then heading into college, and it was almost like Notre was going to play Michigan. It was hard to believe. Um, and it's been it. I mean, it's been a tremendous series. I think. You know, I think there's also, you talked about the various segments of of people and their opinion about playing the series. I think there's also some that don't like the idea of having to square up, you know, Brian Kelly going against Jim Harbaugh on a regular basis either. Like, like he did at Stanford, which which didn't work out well in Notre Dame's favor then.
0: I, I like the concept of the series not being so annual as it's been. You know where it's treated the same way that you're treating the Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas type series. Um, I think that's you think it's fun to play Michigan, but it doesn't have to be a no. I don't think it needs to be USC Navy Michigan. It's probably hard for them to do that. No. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't make sense to do. I, I think it really limits uh, what you can do scheduling wise, and something that Swarbrick said to me last summer when I sat down and talked scheduling with him is like they want to have markers against as many conferences as possible well if you're playing Purdue and Michigan or Michigan and Michigan State that doesn't help you in the way that they think playing SEC Big 12 Pac-12 12, and Big 10 four of those five in addition obviously the five from the ACC um, so I think it's better for business to do it this way where they're they're rotating through I think that it sets up the schedule this year, at least, that if you can get by Michigan, you have a chance to do something really special. So, the flip side in 2019 is just absolutely brutal. Yeah, and,
2: you know, I mean, it worked. Well, I mean, when Holtz was was beating them fairly regularly, it worked out well for Notre Dame starting the season like that. Um, you know, I think so. You're looking at. I mean, you say intermittent so you have a home and home and then skip 3 or 4 ten, years in I, between I, or two it's probably going to be more like 10 years yeah well i mean that's probably what it ultimately would be but if you really wanted to keep the series alive you'd play a little bit more frequently than well than that and whatever that that is what it is here's the bottom line as it relates to September 1st as i always do at the end of the NFL draft and the signing of the free agents i do the talent drain it's the term that i've used for the 12 Notre Dame opponents in Notre Dame, and who lost the most? Well, you know, when you start trying to rank 10th, 9th, 8th, you know, that's really, really subjective. Yeah. But when you look at Notre Dame's 12 opponents in Notre Dame, there's no doubt who lost the least from last year, and it's Michigan.
1: And I think it's reflected in, this is a little, for me, this is over the top, but if you just look at odds to win the national championship, if you can go place a bet right now, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and then Michigan. And that seems over the... Now, part of that is got to get there because of your schedule a lot, games line up at home, other than this one for Michigan. That seems over the top. If you were to say Michigan is a legit top 20 team, as Notre Dame is a legit top 20 team, and then who knows what happens after that. I'm on board. I can't imagine if I were trying to win money that I would say, well, Michigan's going to be the fifth team I pick to try to win the national championship this year.
0: I mean, their schedule is... Interesting this year they're at Notre Dame at Michigan State at Ohio State they also play Penn State um, Nebraska will be interesting that's the Big Ten opener for both teams Penn State by the way is actually tied with Michigan for fifth so yeah that's... I mean it's um they've got a they've got a tricky schedule especially with their three rivalry games all on the road. So where are they? The, why are they the fifteen? Well, Isn't
2: because, that weird to you? Yeah, because, because their defense is. So yeah, yeah, because they, no, they brought so much tough, back, and their right. defense is overwhelmingly good. Now, you know they've they've got to be better offensively, and we have a couple questions about, about Michigan and Shea Patterson. Um, you know, I mean, you can say what you want about Shea Patterson. There's inconsistency and interceptions and what have you. But look at what they've had yeah, at quarterback. It's a,
1: no matter what you think about him, it is it's an upgrade. We talked about this in our i think our previous podcast yeah um, no no matter what it helps them because it was going to be a bad quarterback or a complete rookie yeah if if i mean i don't, I don't think mccaffrey's gonna win the job but he was you know he, you never know with harbaugh he might have just looked at it and said that's this is, i gotta get rid of some of this junk and go with the new guy but now i mean it just makes especially in this atmosphere you're putting in shay patterson has played anywhere you want to name yeah so that, that, that helps a lot because that's, yeah, that's so a big that's, deal in game one. Yeah, than it's night not, he's night not, game in Notre Dame no, isn't going to be game.
2: anything that, that shakes him. And, well, wait a minute. Notre Dame opens a night at home. They have to win, right? I mean, there's no, you know, you, you look at it and it's like, this is one that Notre Dame has to win. I mean, there's nothing that's going to change the way we feel about it between now and that night. Notre Dame is at home at night. They should beat Michigan. Yes, no, right? I agree
1: with you. Pending, yeah, I guess. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, no, yeah, bar, barring roster. Yeah. Huge issues on the roster. I,
2: they they do have some questions at, at the tackle positions. But, I think they have some questions that they have to answer. So that might be a good matchup for Nordam's defensive ends, which obviously we'll, we'll talk about more as, a, as that time, time comes. But I, defensively, they're loaded. I mean, they're absolutely loaded. I know I've joked
1: about this, but I'm, I'm serious when <laughs> you say, well, what if it's 13? Whatever over-under they put out there, I just think the game is going to be played so close to the vest with defenses well, yeah, and, being ahead of the offense it is Yeah, dame has got a flood back vest. now. Yeah, it's that's
2: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the theater <laughs> Uh
2: yeah, so I mean, I, it's it's a great matchup. We're going to say that between now and September 1st it's going to continue to be one uh, but I you know, I just I look at this game it, it's similar to the way we looked at the way you and I Tim were talking about last year with Georgia. I mean, if not now, when you've got yes. to, you've <laughs> got to win this night home game. If not now, well, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that's ultimately that's what I, we should that, be that's, saying. That's yeah. what happened to Notre Dame with Georgia last year when they had a freshman quarterback coming in a night game in Notre Dame Stadium <sighs> in prime time and played pretty well. Um, and that was where you wish.
1: That was Jake, another slugfest. That, f- was, where I mean, he that was, was another wild slugfest. Yeah. Just complete slugfest. Yeah, that was two defenses killing
2: each other. That part. was where you wanted the incumbent to be healthy coming in, <laughs> yes. and he gets hurt the week before. <laughs> would have been better off against yeah. Jacob
0: Eason, in the same way that uh, Notre Dame would be better off if Shea Patterson was ineligible and uh, Brandon Peters. Brandon Peters yeah. was the replacement for John O'Corns and Wilson Spate. And that's why don't Jeez. we get to the, the first Michigan question from Sorbic for Prez. On this topic, what have you seen from Shea Patterson's game film that would cause you to agree with the Vegas line change recently, putting Notre Dame as the underdog? Which I believe Michigan—I I thought Notre Dame Michigan was a, a three at first, but yeah, pick on Michigan or Notre Dame is a three-point favorite, but now I believe it's Michigan as a three-point favorite. There's nothing about Shea
1: Patterson that swings. If it's if it's a six-point swing, I don't see that at all. But if what have I seen from Shea Patterson? He's not the other guys. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I exactly. mean, it's just a, it's a it's a huge difference.
2: He can throw and he, he can, can move. He, yeah, those he are can both move. upgrades. I mean, he, he doesn't
1: make me laugh when you say the names of
2: the Michigan yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> he's part certainly capable. None of none of us sitting here is saying that he's a world beater. And he, you know, he he's had some turnover issues at times. But as Pete said, he's been in, or as Tim said, I mean, he's been in every every difficult venue you can imagine, and that that's a That's a huge benefit. Plus, he's the other thing is. Damn, he's got a great defense behind him.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's sort of the the second question about from C. Norman eighty three. How do Notre Dame's strengths and weaknesses match up against Michigan? It's like if you took the—I think one of the things we feel good about Notre Dame's defense right now today is sort of the the interior, the spine of the the front seven. Now, if let's say you swap out Jerry Tillery for Rashawn Gary, and then you put Devin Bush and Chase Vinovich out there, maybe for an edge rusher and a Drew Tranquil. Um those I Notre Dame arguably, or I'm sorry, Michigan arguably, but not not a, not a fierce argument, because I, I think it's settled, would be better at all three of those positions. So if you if you look at Notre Dame's defense and said, what if I what if you could upgrade Tranquil, Tillery, and um you know, maybe a, a Dalen Hayes type? I I'd say, wow, that those guys would have to be really good. Well, I, I think that's they legitimately really have, what Michigan yeah, has. There's no
2: doubt. There's, you know, there's no doubt about that. And the last thing about Patterson, it, it's it's not so much Patterson, but, well, as you said, Tim, he's not one of those other quarterbacks, but he can make Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yes. And uh, Grant Perry, who's a slot receiver. He can, he can take advantage of the skills that they bring to the field that don't ever come to the forefront when Brandon Peters is your quarterback. I said this
1: in terms of matchup. When- Pete mentioned defense, Michigan's defense. I said this to somebody in the Notre Dame football offices a year ago. Wouldn't you love to have Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson just for the opener next year? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's the timing of that, of, n- of not having those men, to borrow from the other coach, to Mike to borrow from Mike Bray, oh not God. having those men in this game. They would solidify. They, they, they settle everything down because now you're naming players. Whatever talent you want to bring out of Michigan and whatever Don Brown's scheme can bring to it, you still have that rock on that side. And I'm not saying the offensive line won't play well in the game. They might. might be. I might be underrating the offensive line. They're not going to be at their best in the first game is usually how these things go when you're breaking in people moving around new positions mm-hmm. and replacing your best players. That's get, the matchup yeah, issue for me. It,
2: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, getting back to the question of strengths and weaknesses, I mean, you're, you're going to be concerned about Notre Dame running football the same way you were concerned about Notre Dame running football against Georgia. Right, that's... I mean, throw in, you don't have McGlinchey and Nelson. It's going to probably be just as as problematic as it was last year against Georgia. Now, is is Michigan's defense man for man as fast as Georgia's? No, because I don't think that defense exists. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's going to be a real, real challenge, you know, for Notre Dame run football that night.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, on the Patterson the environment, last year he played at Alabama and at Auburn back-to-back weeks. He was awful at Alabama and threw fifty one times at Auburn for three hundred and forty six yards, a couple touchdowns, and took a sack. Um he the the environment is going to be a non oh non issue there entirely. So I I do think in some ways I'm I'm slightly more concerned about in this matchup conversation, the environment for Liam Weichenberg, slightly Robert Haynesy. Um Maybe a little bit Tommy Kramer, but just sort of Notre Dame's offensive line. I think you know Wimbush. We've we've beaten that one to death. We just don't know until we'll the lights until yeah, the lights yeah. will come on. But um, I think Chip Long said this string spring ball. They're like it's not just Wimbush. It's it's Eichenberg and Michael Young and you know what Claypool. When you, you're uh, you're counting on them, what happens there? It's l a Mack who admits
2: that moments sometimes are right. too big for him. Yeah, including well, saw, the goal game. I think it was the ESPN story that said, well, you know Notre Dame's coaches aren't nearly as worried about the loss of McGlinchey and Nelson because they were really happy with Eichenberg in the spring. Well, you know, there's there's a little bit of a difference between being happy with Liam Eichenberg in the spring. and I don't think if lament it forever publicly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, by difference. all accounts, Eichenberg did have a good spring, and that's yeah, great, and that gives yeah. him a chance to have a good season. But I don't think Notre Dame said, ah, McGlinchy? yeah, that's all right. We got Liam Eikenberg. which, to be fair, Brian Kelly did say that he's like, I'm not going to get up tell until
0: your running game is going to be better this year than last year. I, I'm curious. I'll throw this out because we're talking about Eichenberg here. I'm actually working ahead on the, the A to Z. I of him, and I was doing player comparisons there, and I think, you know, the 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 reflexes. You're trying to find somebody who's really good, but you know, he's, he's following Zach Martin, who was then followed by Ronnie Stanley, who was then followed by Mike McGlinchy. It's not he to me. Liam Ikenberg is a lot more like Christian Lombard.
1: That was a perfect example. Okay. That's who I was going to use too. So it's...
0: spoiler alert. That's my player comparison. That's who I wrote <laughs> down this morning, and that's that's fine. I think Christian Lombard was a good
2: college player, and if had he been healthier, he'd have been a little better. Yeah, too. they he ultimately moved body, the inside. Yeah, though. his body broke down. Injuries, yeah, um, back in, but that's yeah. why. They, that's not why. They, no, that wouldn't be the way they moved inside. So right.
0: it's just like. I think setting expectations for what Eichenberg's going to do or not do is healthy, um, and I think that they should be more in line with Christian Lombard. Yeah, I mean, I can draw the ceiling at Lombard, but no, like, realistically, is what you're saying? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. Because I mean, you think about what happened to Martin as a as a sophomore started, Stanley as a sophomore started, and then McGlinchey as a sophomore started the bowl game and played the second half of the USC game at the end of the year. Eichenberg, I think, had. Eight DNPs and only played in five games, so that that's a big difference about
2: what their first two years were like versus the guy for Eichenberg I, versus Martin Stanley and McIlhinney. Yeah, I remain a little surprised that Hainsy's not at left tackle um, because I mean, if you recall last year, you know Eichenberg had an opportunity and he really w- did not handle pass rush well, and so now he's on the left side, and that's that's. Uh, off, that's very very concerning. I, I would not be shocked if Hainsy ended up on the left side. I think that's sort of one of the that will be one of my predictions for the
0: year. And I'm sure we've talked that about the podcast that they'll start more than one line. That they may even start oh, yeah. three lines. Yes. Well, and I, uh, and I understand
2: because Hainsey doesn't have the exact dimensions. You know, you mm-hmm. want a six six guy playing. They left have tackle. mentioned they want a bigger guy. Left yeah, tackle. and, and I nice. and I and I get that. And clearly, Eichenberg is that guy. But at the end of the day. <laughs> The ability to stand up against a pass rush is more important than your than what your actual height is,
1: and the move of bars. I mean, I guess Haynes is a little bit more of a veteran, but the move, to trying to get yeah, no, I get that. No, and that makes and sense. I, you
2: know, I thought I, I thought Jeff Quinn explained it in the spring. It it, it all made sense. You don't believe was... everything you hear in the spring for some reason. That's <laughs> the... <laughs> Just good professional advice yes.
0: on that one. Good idea. Uh, our last question on Michigan, the second one. CMU Pens fan, do you think opening right away with a high caliber opponent is a blessing for this year's squad or a curse? I, I always like these. I'm, I guess I just like sports more than I
1: like to see a team try and weasel its way into a 4-0 start. You <laughs> <To> know, <O'Malley. laughs> <To O'Malley. laughs> really I you know, like I, sports. I enjoy, I enjoy the moment. This is... What would you rather write about also? Why?
2: Well, no, I mean I agree with yeah. you, and that's why I say you. I, I don't mean, know why. Growing fans up in, agree with me is what I'm saying. the <laughs> beginning of my professional life was Notre versus Michigan, yeah. right at the beginning of the year, and I get that. And Notre won, you know, a lot of big games against Michigan, and so that usually worked out pretty well. They're not. But I can't say
1: they're not too young to start with Michigan, though. It's not like for this team, no. they're fine started with Michigan. It'd be better if it was last year when they had those two guys. Yeah. On the left side. No,
2: you can't. You can't use that as an excuse. Now, would I call it a blessing opening against? A defense like that, I, I, I would be hard-pressed. And the first word that comes to mind would not be blessing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is one of those situations where, like, if you get this one, it's like sort of the first game is worth four games. Yes. Because if you win this <laughs> one, is. you're going to be 4-0. Go, when Stanford comes in at the end of the month, you should feel pretty good about that. Um, in some ways, you should be sort of, like, slightly healthy because you've got Wake, Vanderbilt, Ball State. While well, Stanford, I think, has USC and Week too um early on they you know they, they don't really ease into their schedule there either boy so.
2: wake forest is a real trap game with stanford and virginia tech right after them
0: it, uh, I, oh yeah. I, I agree it is At wake yeah, forest. Agree. It's
2: the first they're not
1: usually very good in the first road game of the year under kelly either but i mean you got it's, they gotta be they have to be able to have win a game ri- or it doesn't matter have you ever written about that i, thing? I have yes it's just not a thing <laughs> that goes well but you know what they proved me wrong last year on that one. For three, two and, yeah, and a half they quarters, did. they were dying out against BC in that yeah. first row game, but then mm-hmm. they obliterated them.
0: Yeah, played great at Michigan yep. State too. So it's, I, I agree. It's like Wake Forest in some ways. I felt was like a little too good to be a trap game last year, even though Miami came right after it. This year, I think they're just bad enough to be a trap game. Just not
1: having Wolford is the is the key component for a Notre Dame fan's perspective right now. It, yeah, it, he. He was that day. He was the best football player on the field.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I mean, I would say I mean Wimbush was pretty good too so, yeah, that's in true. a 700-yard yeah, offensive yeah. day, but I I'm in I'm in the blessing group. It's like I like just get it started. We spend all off-season 9 months getting ready for the next year talking about the next year. Just get on with it already and it's like to get a leg up in the beginning. It's like I think a, a statement when when you only have one game. When 100 percent of your wins are statement wins, I think we're all sort of guilty of like, well, I saw this at the beginning of the year, therefore it must be true the rest of the year, even when more evidence starts to pile up. And the inverse is true: if you're garbage early, I think it takes a lot of lot of time to sort of dig your way out of that. So it's just like I like sort of putting everything in the middle
2: of the table. I just don't like. I mean, I just can't use the word blessing. I just it's still, <laughs> it's still better to be four and zero than three and one, and I just don't, you know, if you if you lose, and I realize again, home. Veteran team at night, you should win. But you know you're going to Ball State, Vandy, and at Wake Forest is going to generate. And this is something you usually yes. say, O'Malley. I mean, it's going to generate very, very little interest if you lose to Michigan over And Open if you beat Michigan, right.
1: then you're in the top seven when you're playing stanford that's the, that's the beauty yeah you get, and, then, you get and then that win and, and you're 4-0 oh, you keep climbing yeah and, the and then the you go to virginia Steam Tech. Plays. yeah
2: you know i mean so it, the plot thickens and it builds and there's a lot more at stake each week at that point we
0: like it and we like sports that's what we do yeah.
2: We
1: has <laughs> been settled
0: at podcast 137 all right well that's it for segment one we got a bunch of questions from our readers next Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. First, questions from Twitter. This is a very pressing one for people who live in South Bend, and it's from SB Shovel Slayer, and he wants to know, Barnaby's
2: or Bruno's? Oh, that's easy. That's e- Well, for me, that's easy. Barnaby's, without a doubt. Barnaby's, St. Louis Street. There's a difference. I live too close to
1: the grape one, so we oh, that yeah, one. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. The Bar-
2: Barnaby's in South Bend is St. Louis yes, Street. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, also, actually, the other one's actually Mishawaka, but that's the only one that really counts. I right. Think. Unfortunately, it's
1: twenty-five extra minutes away from my house, so I sometimes dabbled <laughs> into the Mishawaka oh, and okay. Then I would go Bruno's over that. However, Barnaby St. Louis is the way to go. Okay,
0: I need to I need to double back on that because mm. I'm a Bruno's person. You're Bruno's Prairie, also, right? I like Bruno's Prairie. I do not like eating in there, but I, I <laughs> like the takeout. for Why? Bruno, because it's so prairie. filthy. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> you said it. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm more of a Bruno's person. Wow, we,
2: uh, wow that comment right there. Yeah. Just <laughs> well, let's even just things Impacted out. anybody that's yes. ever going to come to town now. <laughs>
0: you know
1: what you can do with Barnaby's too. Just this is a public service message for any of you that are in college and not yet twenty one. If you were to have say one friend that's twenty one walk up and say had, like a pitcher and four glasses, your three friends you can are get set the up. job done there. Huh? Yes, works out well. I, I heard about that, so that was a uh,
0: you heard about I did. that? Yeah. It's like, that. Yep. So if you're ever in Goshen, Venturi's I think is the best Ooh, pizza yeah. in the area. So. If you're looking for a field trip outside of South Bend, Goshen's a good place to be. Go visit the Meyer family. Uh, who? What? Rick Meyer. Oh, yeah. Goshen. Okay. Yeah. Isn't, that that odd, isn't that odd to think back to you right now? Of course he lives that in San Diego. Now, yeah, huh? I was going to say, I thought he lived in California, not Goshen. <laughs> I mean, I like Goshen and everything. All right, Will Shields. <laughs> He wants to know Brian Kelly is no longer Notre Dame's head coach and there's a coaching search. You cannot have Scott Frost, Bob Stoops, or Urban Meyer. Who would you target Frost, and why? Stoops
2: or why well, wouldn't you stoops anyway? Uh, because we're way we're way, way past that. Um Matt Campbell at Iowa State.
0: Did
1: that have to be realistic.
2: Uh Will Shields says you just have to exclude
0: those three. Yeah. I think Shaw would do great at Notre Dame.
2: He would never come to Notre. Right? That's why I had to be yeah. realistic. Yeah, he right. doesn't even like
0: them.
2: Right.
1: Sometimes you get paid by them and win games. You start liking places more.
0: Uh, I would. <laughs> I'm with Priester on this one. Matt yeah. Campbell would, would, I think, be my first call. Maybe I. I'm quite curious to see how Brom does at Purdue this year, though. I think those. Those are sort of my. Yeah, definitely. Two guys definitely got to
2: gotta keep an eye on him. I mean, think of the impact he had in his first year. is really pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, they were non-competitive. Yeah, um, you know, Iowa State was not all that competitive before Matt Campbell got there yeah. either. You know what's interesting about a year and a half ago, when I said Matt Rule. Uh, That's true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: he just made the weirdest choice anybody <laughs> ever made. So I assume it's Notre can't hire the Baylor coach. Yeah, what are you, you doing?
2: No, we, we need a second on this
1: it's terrible decision. No, yeah. I right. think he
2: would have been a just from a. A uh, personality yeah. standpoint, I think Matt Rule been a, would have been yeah. a real handful for us.
0: I, yeah, I, he would have been. He would have been a good hire. Uh, Irish Fog, to a three parter. One, the odds of winning at Virginia Tech. He's going to the game. Curious what we think. Uh, two, he watched Quinton Nelson all last year. Give me a non-skill position player I should watch this year. And then also he wants to know where do you think Notre Dame's running game will rank among the Brian Kelly era.
2: Uh, I don't have my stats odds in front of, of me. winning you probably have. Odds
1: of winning are I mean if I were to pick a, if you if if you just said pick one loss, grab a loss, I would say at Virginia Tech. Um,
2: okay, but like but on a scale of, you know, ten to one, eight to one, twelve to one, four to one forty
1: percent chance of winning. I mean, it's gonna be a any good. They're a three point underdog at Virginia Tech, right? I expect Yeah. Game pretty five. Good. yeah
2: it's Yeah, I I I I mean I totally agree with you if you had to pick one loss. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's kind of the way you look at it, right? If you've had to, it's just a, the environment. I mean, they've proven it doesn't matter what they're doing now to get
2: past the environment. The environment enveloped them and murdered them and destroyed them the last time. Yeah, we've been talking. I mean, we've been talking for. I've been anyway. I've been talking for how many years since that game's been set? The opportunity to see Notre Dame play at Virginia Tech at night.
0: Yeah, I, that would Can't be a, a very rare instance of I would be pissed if it was a noon game. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, it's... There's no way that's a noon game. <laughs> no, There's just no, no, no way. one wants to listen to Enter Sandman <laughs>
2: after having coffee. Like, that's just, <laughs> I have no interest in that. Plus,
1: noon starts have been rough on us over the years. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, is there another Quentin Nelson that we're going to see You won't this have year? as much fun watching that's a, a uh, totally, non Not on. only is it not going to happen, it's impossible to happen. It's it, it can't happen. I'm going to say I'm going to say Sam Mustafer because I think Sam Mustafer is has gone through enough and has enough experience and is physical and strong enough and is incredibly bright. I think he's gonna have a great year. I'm gonna go with Tillery.
1: I wanna see Tillery now when he's not on the nose, playing for his NFL
0: future, graduate of the university, focusing on football only. I'd be interested to see what Jerry Tillery can do as a grown-up. I'm with you on Tillery. I think it's the most interesting guy of both lines, because I, I think just the, the upside there. And at the end, he could be the best pro prospect of both lines up and down that depth chart, if it all happens for him.
2: Yeah, I, I personally don't think that will happen, but I I hear exactly what you're saying as far as most interesting. I agree with that. I think Mustafa has a chance, is the one that will have... The most successful year. And then the
0: where the running game ranks, certainly not 2015, not 2017 either. Um, Could it be? I think a win in running game efficiency would be the third best of the nine year Brian Kelly year. Yeah, because they'd be like 2011
1: with Jonas and Sear Wood was a nice running game. Um, 2012. And
0: they didn't have a quarterback to
1: help that, that running game in 2011. There was about 25, 26 rushing touchdowns, Gray and Wood averaged. Eight, eight and seven yards a carry, eight, eight and five yards a carry. You're better than 2011. The key is to be better than 2011. Like They weren't great all the games. They had a couple losses where they sure. couldn't run the ball. So you got to be better than they were in their bad
2: games. Yes, my concern. You know, we were talking about left tackles before. And, you know, the ones that you mentioned were all great players. And I just said that I think Mustapher is going to have a great year. But I don't know that he's a great player. I don't think Nordic has a great player on their offensive line. Oh, I and, agree with that. Yeah, it, they could sell right? a very good. Year, and I don't, enough. you know, I mean, I don't know if we talked about the last podcast. Some people suggesting, you know, um, Kramer and <laughs> Hainesy, or I mean, those guys aren't going to play to the level of a Zach Martin or a Ronnie Stanley or a Quentin Nelson or even Mike McGlinchey, who was in his fifth year before he really became very good.
0: I think a good way to look at Bars and Mustafer is to say they're both Chris Watt good. Which is, I hope so. Which is good. That would be really good. That would that it, would help them a but lot. But it's not
2: Martin Stanley McGlinchey Nelson right. good. I keep putting bars down. I don't. I don't think bars is Chris Watt good. I think okay. Mustafar is Chris Watt good. But I hear. I I understand why you're saying that. He's a veteran player. I hope he's that. I love mm-hmm. the kid because I think he's a. You know, I mean, he's a he's a Nord-Aim kid, and you want good things for him. But I I just I just don't see that consistency uh, in his game.
0: All right, David Sellers-Smith wants to know, what's the most challenging part of your job that readers wouldn't know about? I know Tim Priester's answer. Can I answer for you? I know your answer. It could be, it could be sarcastic <laughs> yeah. no,
2: last this, year. No, no this is went, an
1: actual answer. Oh, yeah. That's much better than my answer. Making <laughs> it, getting
2: to the game and making it through the yeah. game. <laughs>
1: readers know about that. Yeah, um, Yours is transcribing. <laughs> oh, I hate transcribing. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I
2: do hate transcribing yeah. because to me it's... Well, here's what... If it's a 20 minute interview, it takes an hour. To me, it's three times, it takes three times the amount of time to transcribe it that it took for the coach to say it or a player to say it. Yes, that's, thank you. Post
1: game transcribing, I really don't like because you feel the pressure to kind of get the story done too, or the notebook done. You're like, Mm -hmm. all right, I need to get. I need to talk to these six guys for a notebook, and then I am going to write what they, everything they say, and then
2: go back and look at nah, it. Or you, you got to do that post game. You got to so. be choosy, man. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you got to be choosy when when you transcribe. Well, I refuse to transcribe post game.
0: <laughs> snap judgments make a stand.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There'll be no quotes in this
0: story unless they're
2: handed to me. All right, so what's your what's um
0: yours? you know transcribing? I hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, there's it's no really question bad. about that i'd say since i've had kids getting home yes. after a road game that was at night after a morning flight is is quite hard and i'm not look this question is not to be like oh those poor journalists yeah that, it is that that's watched. the way it comes <laughs> off yeah. no. but having having kids having young kids and Doing this job when you get home after you haven't been home since you left Friday at noon, um, and you're just still kind of underwater. You got to watch the tape um, to do that Sunday night, man. That those are um, those are those are rough reentries that, for me.
1: That is clearly one of my one of the harder things. But I actually find it harder when it's a home night game, and you get home. Oh yeah, good point. Super late. And there is just no excuse not to get up at 6 in the morning with them because at least at least when you get the plane, you get some work done on the plane. Like, I always work yeah. on the plane flight home. I don't get any sleep on the road, unfortunately, because I fly out early trying to get home early. But then I turn it into I can write the column or mm. something like that in the airport in the plane. The home night game is the bane of my existence if we have to have one in this profession. I like everything about it. There's three of them this year, yeah. and I'm not happy about it. And I'm gonna make that known That's every single time. That's like, yeah, I, I my get wife does a good
0: job like taking the kids away on uh, the morning after a home night. Mine's more. Not, mine's not more. No, no, not happy. <laughs> let's let's keep that in the
2: podcast. Too. I only had one <laughs> child, so I don't. I mean, and plus it was so long ago because yeah. my son's 29. Uh, the games lasted two hours, and they all kicked off at 2:30 p.m. <laughs> that may have had something to do it. I no, I think having one child had a lot to do with it because i mean you guys are dealing with multiple and that that certainly it doesn't like it doesn't double or triple it it, right. it multiplies it by more than that yeah. right yeah oh yeah <laughs> um i will say that um, kids can be distracting
0: right? and i you know one of my one of my favorite things <laughs> my to boy.
2: do is you know tail the tape and re-watching the game and just you know kind of pounding that out and but when when you're on the road and then you have travel problems on Sunday and you start re-watching the game at 10:30 p.m. on Sunday yeah, night up. that makes for a really, really long night, early morning. Then we have a podcast yeah. late Monday morning and it, so if I'm babbling on a Monday morning podcast after a night road game, that is the reason. One other thing I really don't like uh, is, <laughs> just is, is We got a lot
0: of <laughs> things <laughs> it's Labor day. I hate labor day. Well, we work every labor day. Yeah, cuz yeah, like everyone yeah. else is not working. And it's like it's different on Saturday when you're working and everyone else is not. Labor day is just like a game. Your kids yeah, are yeah. off school, yeah, yeah. like it's just uh that's a that's a tough one cuz you for a long time, Labor Day was the Monday of Michigan week. This year, I am all for it being the Monday of ball state week. And Oh, just, is it
2: actually week Oh, okay, it's actually yeah, a week later.
0: Cause, yeah, cuz Labor Day, I built I believe Labor Day is. No,
1: I like, don't think so. This is another I one of those Labor Lake Day was... Winston Salem issues. Oh, man, <laughs> I mean, we have a uh, man. I think it's. No, I, was, I think I think peace right. I think I
2: don't think, I think so. it's Labor Day weekend is opening <laughs> weekend
0: of college football, and so Labor Day is actually September third. Labor Day is mi- September third. Boom, Ball State week. Oh, I got you. I thought yeah. I thought I was talking about just following. Uh, no, that's fine. Okay, yes. I don't mind the following, other than when it was like you have friends in town. For Labor Day Texas, and I was like a freaking zombie uh, after that one.
2: So. Labor Day is always a work day. Yeah, oh, it has it's been. always yeah. a work it day. It always has been. That's yeah. Unobserved.
0: You know,
1: my favorite thing, and I think you guys will agree, though, if we have to have a positive note here, right? <laughs> Friday road game? Come on. No the, the bus! There's nothing better than that, right? <laughs> Get my... Friday you know, road game in San Diego or Los Angeles Take, or San Francisco? Here's They're our, our
2: phrase. Take my ass on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Common... Common Thursday utterance for Tim <laughs> Reeser, Brian
1: Kelly's post-practice There are prospect. three people in the world that
0: like Notre Dame's November home schedule. They're sitting right here. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sin Topico last Twitter question, wants to know, what is the latest on Dion McIntosh? Um, from what I can gather there, there's a chance he will be back on the roster, um, but is unlikely to play in the first four
2: games. That's ex- that is, and I think we have different sources on that. Mm-hmm. That is exactly... Exactly what I hear, I hear yeah. that he won't be available for the start of the season, but he will be on the team this fall. On top of that,
0: I heard that there's some possibility, maybe, of C.J. Holmes being reintegrated, but it is not not likely. The <coughs> um, last I checked, which was last week, um, but at least there was some kicking of the tires on C.J. Holmes. That's probably the best way to describe that. Coinciding with the end of the
1: school year? So his grades are in, yeah. he's stuck it out. You know, that that is part of it, yeah. mm-hmm. obviously, if you're... If there was ever a path back for Macintosh, he had to be have Absolutely. a good semester, obviously. So that would yeah. be the
2: time. Okay. Uh, questions that we also have here: Tim JG, nineteen eighty-seven. Who and I thought we all think this is a really interesting uh, yes question. This is a great Who question. will be Nordame's next first-round pick? Um. Well, the, is he is he on this fall's roster?
0: Yes. There's a first-round pick on the roster. We just don't know who it is. I mean, I almost feel like, just from my odds standpoint, right. there's a first-round pick okay, on the but, roster. But, yeah,
2: but, I mean, but, you have to have somebody
0: specific. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, first-round pick on the roster, you know, it's not... I guess I would probably go with, like, Josh Lugg, because I just think the way he's put together is first-round pick good. I don't see one on defense, unless it's one of the freshman safeties. Uh, And that's too far away for me to even speculate on. So I would say Josh Lug, Cole Komet tight ends don't really go in the first round. And then I guess earlier in the podcast, I mentioned like (coughs) X, Y, and Z happened for Jerry Tillery. Could he go 29th overall? Yeah, I mean why not? So I mean those those would be, I guess, three
2: guys that I think are at least interesting. It almost has to be It almost has to be a it sophomore has to, be an, o- to me. Well, no, I was going it has yeah. to be an offensive lineman or a quarterback, pretty much. I mean I, I just don't I don't you wouldn't bet any amount of money that
1: Kovic will be a first round pick, though. That's the problem. He I, I, play. I, you know, I personally would not. Right. And I and I would. And it wouldn't matter I, how good you think he is. It's, that's that's a bit of a reach for a quarterback coming in. And I
2: thought I thought I think 18-year-old. Lugs Lugs an interesting idea, but I I guess I would also expect him to win his, win a starting job if he were that that's good. Fair. But that but but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily true.
1: Yeah, no, cuz he goes through his fifth year to be Yeah, cuz you runner. sit out, That's yeah, you sit
2: out days. right. You sit yeah. out your first year and then, you know, you don't always win. Even the even the really good Stanley, ones don't. Always McGlin, are, right. You don't you don't win a starting job in your redshirt first year. I think it's like
0: when I see this question, I think, all right, I the first thing I go to is measurables. Like, who has something something unique from a measurable perspective? I think Lug does, I think Comet does, I think Tillery does. I think Julian Love doesn't. I think he's a really good college football player. He's the next All-American. He's probably like you know, mid-round, yeah, second, he's, third he, round. he's
2: not going to test well enough in the 40. Yeah. In this day and age, he's not going to test well enough in the 40 to be a first-round pick. Yeah, it's like Tranquil, really good college player. Not going to be a first-round no. pick
0: for playing your position for one year. So, somebody there is somewhere. I go commit.
1: I know tight ends aren't often first-round picks, but you can, you can get to the end of the first round. Sure. I don't see him, like, Eifert was the... If he wasn't going to be a first round pick, who are you picking in the first round yeah. as a tight end? He, he by the time he was finished at Notre Dame, he was good in every imaginable way for a tight end, and it's proven true. But
2: how? How? But soon? Kyle Rudolph
1: went in the second round, guys. Inj- I mean, that Inj- could, he was in, he was injured. He
2: probably would have been a first round pick. Um, I mean, I, my I for you, we didn't know until several strides into his career at Notre Dame. They will have one though.
1: He the, the raw. It was just those dark years, the roster, I mean. We just, I mean, we might not have named him, But the dark years of the Willingham-Weiss thing when they weren't getting first-round picks. I mean, they had two in 2012, one in 2013, one in 2014, two in 2016, two in 2018. So, you're gonna, you know, they're they're getting.
2: Yeah, Odds are that they're going to. It is hard to to tab
1: the person now. I agree with that.
2: Yeah, I
0: mean, I think there were some guys where, you know, if we were asked this question three years ago, I think we all would have said McGlinchey. Maybe Quentin Nelson, based on the position of playing guard. Um, you know, I, I think those guys have two been two years obvious. ago. We said Kaiser. Yeah,
1: now like prior to the year. You know, now going into Ryan.
0: his junior year, would you have said Harrison Smith? Absolutely not. Right. Um, so it's you know some guys. I guess I look at the roster. I, I don't see anybody who's apparent today as Nelson, McGlinchey, hmm. Floyd, Eifert. Um, I would agree. I, I'm not Stanley, sure that-
2: yeah, I am I'm not sure there is a but a first the, round draft pick on the current roster. But just
0: look at it
1: this way. If I said you have to bet that in the next four years Norton won't have a first round draft pick, well, you wouldn't do the, that either. Right. That's yeah, just the yeah. thing.
2: When you start listing the years that they've had one, right. it's like, what are they gonna go three years without one? Four years? That's unlikely. I would I will I'll just throw it out there. Andrew Kristaffit, that's the next first mm-hmm. round draft pick. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean i am pretty sure I'm with you. It's like I'm I'm more inclined to say yes. Because of time, opposed to yes, because of a, a player That's or two or three, player. I really like. Right. Next.
2: Another, another great question.
0: Skunkle wants to know if Nana Osafa Menzo commits and signs. How long do you think it takes to see contributions from him? Would he have got a lot? Will he get a lot of year one snaps? It,
2: you know, if you use the word contributions, this is no, this is Notre Dame football. This is Notre Dame defensive football. I mean, Julian Alcuar is getting snaps right. his true freshman year, so. So he would not, not certainly would get them. I, I just I don't want people to. First of all, we don't even know whether he's going to come to Notre Dame or not. But I don't want people to get their hopes so far up that he's a standout from the moment he walks in the door. Because there's a lot of rawness to his game. That's one of the great things about him is that he has he's a he's so talented and there's so much raw talent, but. Man, I don't know about walking in day one, but at Notre Dame, if you can rush the pass, if you have any ability to rush the passer, yeah. you're going to get an, You're going to make a contribution early. They could
1: have next year though three seniors with ability to rush the passer that comes into it too. In Acora, Dalen Hayes, if he improves, and Khalid Creams a good pass rusher. Now it's not he can't play every snap, but uh, he will he will contribute, I would think, in his freshman year. But that well, it should be three seniors that are base. I mean, at the bottom pretty good at rushing the passer
0: by then right that's those are three guys i should be able to get to it. i could see if if you would count khalid kareem's freshman year as a contribution then i think you would answer yes to this question like nano safa mensa is going to contribute at least as much as khalid kareem did as a freshman which was not a lot but he was out there is he going to be as much as dalen hayes probably not
1: not as much as Trumbetti. Mm-hmm. remember Trumbetti was pretty good freshman
0: maybe that's team. a better way. maybe yeah. that's sort of like an in-between mm-hmm. Hayes and right cause, right because Kelly Cream really didn't do much that no year. that's what yeah. I'm saying yeah. he yeah. just he played don't look at a fifth year it's not going to happen right. no
2: and and I mean and just in terms of long-term ability Nana is way ahead of what Trombetti no but had. Trombetti had like five yeah. no, quarterback yeah. pressures yeah. that yeah. helps your team
1: which is when you're the
0: yeah. freshman I mean, coming look, in it's his freshman year will be the least interesting part of Nana Saffa yeah. career if it comes to pass, because he'll probably be starting the final three seasons.
1: Next one is from Slick125C. Why has Andy been struggling to recruit elite running backs and wide receivers in this cycle?
0: Uh, I mean, it's you got, those are two questions. You can put the and in there, but those are really two questions. I think the first one with running back is like, you know, Autry Denson is, ha- hasn't been able to turn guys' heads uh, on the trail. It's a, it's a, a position... Where you're recruiting really one, maybe two guys, and they just haven't done a good enough job with that. The wide receiver stuff, I think that's what the spring evaluation period was more uh, about for wide rec- at the wide receiver spot. I think they were figuring out, okay, who do we really like? Do we can we find guys that are more like Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey uh, and recruit over the top of you know find guys who are like Michael Young but better and. I think they're still trying to get that figured
2: out a little. Bit. I think it's um I'm sorry Tim, I'm cutting no, cut you off you're. here, but I mean I you know I, I I get the question because Notre Dame recruits offensive linemen, why wouldn't running backs want to run behind these first round draft picks? I I, I get that. The the flip side is when has Notre Dame recruited you know first round draft picks at running back. I mean, it just, you know, it, is, it is isn't odd, something. <laughs> it's odd that they that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So there's this flip yeah. side, because when you're running behind, you know, uh, I an mean, offensive lineman like they've had, you would think, hey, what a great opportunity. But I. Because they recruit first-round wide receivers. To, you have to point out Autry Denson first. I mean, fair, you know, I mean, not, not, I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. Uh, because he, 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 I mean, he just hasn't done a good job of it up to this point. It is strange though, because they, they recruit first-round wide receivers.
1: And. Golden Tate was a first-round talent that didn't happen to him in the first round. Will Fuller went in the first. Michael Floyd went in the first.
0: Uh, They they bring some of that in. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you go back and think, okay, Bryant and Folston were big-time type prospects. Yes. yeah. Then Jonas Gray was a big-time prospect. Uh, Theo Riddick, less so, but was still a four-star, like, top 300-type player, which which would be better than anybody they've signed in the last few years. That's the way to put it. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I think if you go back and look, it's like, well, where are the – where is – Sebo Flemister, Jameer Smith, um, Deion McIntosh, uh, where do those guys sort of... Tony f- Jones. Tony Jones. Yeah. Where do those guys fit into sort of the the last 10 years of Notre Dame running back recruiting in terms of rankings? Dexter Williams would be high. Um, yeah. He would be, I think he was a top 150 type player. So that's one, but that was right before... Autry showed up to replace Tony Alford, so it's... Yeah,
2: I mean, you know, the the highest running back draft pick in recent years and process is a yeah,
0: yeah, third yeah. rounder converted. Jonas had a receiver. chance before
2: he tore up his knee there. Yeah. But. Yeah, he did. So oh. uh but yeah, you know, Julius Jones really, you gotta go back to him and Yeah, that's a different era of recruiting <laughs> in 04. at this point, so Yeah. Uh where are we at? The last question? question. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, from Melham. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm supposed to ask it, because, I can't ask it. Yes. <laughs> because it says, for O'Malley, in your Monday Musings, get with the program here, uh, in your Monday Musings, you stated that Wimbush might not take his fifth year in 2019. What is your thought process there? A, grad transfer, B, CFL draft, right, that was B, C- Will not be the starter in 2019 because of Djokovic or some other reason. Not
1: really the CFL draft, but that was a. I do appreciate the that one <laughs> bullet point B was good. You know, I, I try to include the guys that could not be here that are like Chase Claypool has. He has a great year. He's the type of person, type of kid that says, "I'm going." Everybody's mm-hmm. going to find that crazy. Julian Love would have back-to-back great years if he has a good enough year to leave. Miles Boygo will be a graduate that might want to capitalize on a really good year and go pro a Mack, I think, would be the same situation. If he has a really good year, would go pro. Brandon Wimbush, I just... I want you guys to quickly name the last person to start at quarterback in his fifth year at Notre Dame. The Palace? Yeah, and before that... Well, when... when Joe Montana. I was going to say, when, when, <laughs> so,
2: when fifth-year players at Notre Dame were not prevalent at all. Two since Pete was born.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's why I think Brandon Wimbush might not be Notre Dame's quarterback next year. it's so <laughs> all playing but, the odds. If Brandon Wimbush has a very good year... A really good year. He's got to strike and go. If Brandon Wimbush has a really bad year, he's not going to be on the team next year as a graduate student. And if Brandon Wimbush has a pretty good year where he improves a little, Notre Dame goes ten and three. Then he would probably be the third, fifth year senior to be Notre Dame's quarterback because he'll want to come back and improve. Well, and and,
2: and of those scenarios you just described,
1: I think the last one is probably, probably the, the most likely. It is, but I I simply said could be in their final season in South Bend. I wasn't saying Wimbush is leaving. It's just he could be in his final <laughs> season in South Bend.
2: So I'm, the question screwed up. <laughs> I like the All these good the questions cut. we had. <laughs> Anything that asks me the question. Sorry, Malham, I'm just kidding <laughs> you.
0: No, it's, I I think that O'Malley phrased it exactly right. It's like there are three options. Two of them would lead to him leaving, and one of them might lead to him staying. And they have to be a good team, Notre Dame. He can't just be and I'm pretty not, darn good, and I'm they not can't sure. be four. Like it's, I think Priester said that... that that option is the most likely. I'm not so sure that option is the most likely. Um,
2: you know, what, the, where he improves? Where he
0: improves just enough, but not too much. Um, that's a... I, I think, you know, between regressing, staying the same, improving a little, or improving a lot. Maybe there are actually four options here. <laughs> um, I I just think the improving enough, but not too much, and the team's good. Okay. Yeah. It's... I mean... You, you're saying it's has been team wanna, to be
1: good you're, because the team part that I threw in there yeah. being ten 10-3. Yeah. It's not that he can't just improve a little. You're saying they won't be 10-3 and three if he improves just a little, and then it's not going to be a situation where they're begging their quarterback to come back.
0: Maybe it's, it's a situation probably where the improving a little is maybe the most likely thing to happen of those four options. However, it's not a fifty percent chance or better. It's a plurality that that would happen, but not a majority. So I think it's like... If you added up all the other scenarios, if you just said, give me Wimbush improving a little and returning for a fifth year or the field, the field would be favored.
2: See, and this is why our jobs are so great, because we can spend all day (laughs) debating (laughs) debating this kind of stuff that, at the end of the day, is some of the most meaningless crap you're ever going to talk about. So,
1: With that... (laughs) Now, having having (laughs) said that, I thought your description was (laughs)
2: fantastic, (laughs) Pete, but don't we have great jobs? We have great jobs.
0: (laughs) Regardless of our kids waking, it's better than a T. Yeah,
1: that's true. That takes a- better than a TPS report. You're right. All right. Well, that's it for this
0: <laughs> this week's Irish Illustrated Insider. Maybe this month's as well. Uh, we'll be back when there's pertinent news. Uh, probably at least a week and a half from now. But um, until then, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley, Dan Priester, thanks for listening.